Continuing our 2024 farm previews, it's one of the deepest organizations we've looked at, the Seattle Mariners. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, award-winning baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is made possible by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get up to $150 in bonus bets today. So we've been doing these, we're now in the second week of these farm previews, so I haven't obviously gone through everybody yet, but talking about the Seattle Mariners, there is a ton of talent in this system and a lot of really interesting players, and it's a little bit tough to rank them at the top, right? The consensus three best prospects in this system in some sort of order is shortstop Colt Emerson, shortstop Cole Young, and catcher Harry Ford. And I've seen just about every different permutation of where to put these guys in the system. And it's really hard for me not to say Colt Emerson's the number one prospect in this system. So he was their first rounder out of the state of Ohio in the 2023 MLB draft and was 17 on draft day. But despite that, comes up, gets 24 games between rookie ball and single A, he's with Modesto. So about 114 plate appearances. Colt Emerson goes 374, 496, 550. Two home runs, 12 extra base hits, 17 walks to 20 strikeouts, and 8 of 8 on stolen bases. It is absolutely absurd performance, and all of the underlying data has been really good as well, to the point of Right after the draft, my home dynasty league had our first-year player draft, and I got Colt Emerson at 30, and a lot of the first-year player draft boards that come out now have him as a top 10 or sometimes top 7 player in the draft, and I got him at 30. That kind of tells you how quickly he grew there. So most of the stuff that you look at, we like you really, the underlying data besides just the stats, contact rate was above 80%. Zone contact of 86%. It translates over to a plus bat, right? His chase rate was just around 20%. So really good plate discipline as well. And then the power, again, despite being 17 on draft day, he was listed at 61200. The power was really good. Average exit velocity of 89, 90th percentile of 105. That's already higher than the MLB average. And I told you we usually shoot for uh, a 102 or so is what we're looking for there. And he's already above that. Uh, He's just now 18 years old. And so seeing the 8 of 8 on stolen bases, there's really this idea of Colt Emerson, if everything works out, could could be a plus hitter with plus power potentially and plus speed. Now, defensively, there's questions about where he's going to play. The kind of consensus is he's not going to stick at shortstop. And if he was to have made it to campus, he was committed to Auburn University. He got a massive overslot deal to not 
go, go to college. But if he had made it, he was going to be a second baseman for them at the college level. Baseball America suggested Colt Emerson could probably move over to third if he wanted, something where the arm is seen as above average now. And so uh, if there's a little bit of, of gains in that arm, when he continues to add strength, you could see that projected out into a plus arm. Uh, but either way, it doesn't project to be a liability at third base. I think the question you would have would be, how much power would you get out of the profile? Would it profile at third base? But either way, a lot to like about Colt Emerson. The other guy who is a top prospect in this system, who's also in the infield there, Cole Young, was a first rounder the year before. So 2022 first rounder. Spent last year with 126 games, just over 600 plate appearances between single A and high A. 277, 399, 449. 11 home runs, 54 extra base hits, 88 walks to 90 strikeouts, and 22 of 32 on stolen bases. The argument to make Cole Young the number one prospect would be that while he doesn't look that he might have the power ceiling, Of Colt Emerson, Uh, Cole Young did a very good job of getting appreciably better in in multiple different ways throughout the season as he went from single A to high A. And I could see a path where Cole Young opens next year in double A Arkansas. And so you would think he's a year and a half, two years away from the major leagues. Had an 80% contact rate, so similar to where Emerson was, only a 15% chase rate for Cole Young. He's going to give you on base. He's going to give you good contact. The exit velocities, this is where I'm really struggling. A lot of the younger players, uh, the exit velocities can change during the year, right? Like he got appreciably better, appreciably stronger throughout the season. I feel like Cole Young has a really high floor As an offensive first, second baseman, I think defensively he's going to be average to above average. Uh, The only reason he's probably not sticking it short is because of his arm. And when it's a longer throw, he loses some accuracy and uh, doesn't necessarily have everything on it to make the play. And so you move him into second base, you can mitigate that only real defensive weakness he has. The range isn't amazing, but it's good enough. It's just the arm is what gets you there. So the argument you can make for Cole Young being number one would obviously be doing it for a full season with a move up to a higher level and seeing the improvement, whereas Colt Emerson is a 24-game, 115-plate appearance sample. So the third option here, and the consensus number two or so, does not doesn't get the number one spot by everybody, but Catcher Harry Ford, 2021 first rounder out of high school. Three straight high schoolers in the top three here. 118 games all in high A, so about 563 plate appearances. And this is after he did the WBC with Great Britain. 257, 410, 430. 15 home runs, 43 extra base hits, 103 walks for Harry Ford to 109 strikeouts, 24-32 on stolen bases. He played nothing but catcher and DH. He caught 78 games. He was the DH for 40 games. Had a 23% caught stealing behind the plate. And the thing here is he's really good with all of the stuff we can't measure behind the plate, right? The game calling, leadership, 
handling a pitching staff. He's really good with all of that stuff. The actual measurable things, the blocking, the receiving, are still a work in progress. And so between that and between the fact that you have Cal Rally at the major league level, Cal Rally there, there's this idea that you can move Harry Ford somewhere else. I think Baseball America in their future lineup thing they do, it's like 2027 or whatever, I think they had Harry Ford playing playing left field. I've seen people talking about Harry Ford playing a corner infield spot, playing third, something like that, playing second. He is one of the better athletes in the system, and he legitimately has good speed. Not good speed for a catcher, good speed in general. He's a plus runner either way. But when you watch him here, he's very selective at the plate. And so the exit velocities come out good because he's getting good pitches, but he's very selective and patient, whatever you want to call it, conservative, however you want to word that. He doesn't chase a ton, but he also sometimes can get beat in the strike zone. He only swings like 39% of the time. And again, the chase is really low, but you couple that with a contact rate of only 73.5%. Uh, it, it feels like the biggest issue there for Harry Ford is hitting velocity, right? I've watched him, just I've watched guys blow stuff by him, right? I do think the potential to be, to get to average is there for Harry Ford. The power, I think, is going to settle probably around average. The raw power might be better than the game power. Uh, his 90th percentile exit velocity last year was 103. And so right there with what we're looking for, but I don't know because of the issues handling velocity in the zone, how much of that he's going to be able to translate into game power. And so it's hard to say he's going to be better than average with game power. Still want to see a little bit more improvement there from Harry Ford. He is also a popular candidate because you have Cavalier behind the plate. He is a popular candidate to one to uh, get put into trade talks. It's like him and Michael Arroyo are the two most common trade targets either suggested by people or asked for by other organizations. In just a minute, let's talk about some players you might see in 2024. There's a couple position players, a couple pitchers worth discussing. We'll get to them next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Jace Medical. This is the middle of the worst flu season in a decade. My daughter has been home all day today, the day that we're recording. She was throwing up and sick all day, and so I've been trying to hide out from her here in the office and record podcasts and watch film of prospects and not get sick. And thankfully, we were able to get the medicine that she needs from the pharmacy, and it was picked up today. But like, I can't imagine how frustrating it would be if one of those shortages that the FDA has been talking about was affecting my area. And so that's why the idea of Jace Medical and their Jace case is good, is reassuring. It's a pack of five different antibiotics that treats a long list of bacterial infections, uh, uh, bacterial illnesses, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, UTIs, all kind of stuff. And I mean, things that could happen to anybody, right? So you go to jacemedical.com. They do what's called a physician encounter. It gets reviewed by a board-certified physician. Your medications are approved. Uh, The prescription is sent to a licensed pharmacy that dispenses and mails your medications to you at a fraction of the regular cost. So if you want that peace of mind, 
Go to jacemedical.com, use offer code to get $20 off of your order. That's jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com with promo code locked on. Okay, so talking about players that you may see in 2024, and there's a little bit, there's a couple guys, a couple pitchers that you're definitely going to see because you saw them last year, and then there's some hitters that we're expecting to see, but we don't know when. So the first one is first baseman Tyler Locklear, 2022 second rounder out of college. He went to VCU, so rather than a prepster, the second round was a college guy. 85 games last year between high A and double A, so 375 plate appearances. 288, 405, 502, 13 home runs, 39 extra base hits, 47 walks to 76 strikeouts, and 12 of 12 on stolen bases. Came really close to getting what we, you know, that 345 slash line that we always look for. The power is really good. I feel like the reason you probably didn't see as many home runs as you wanted is Tyler Locklear actually took a step back in contact last year. He went from a 76% contact in 2022, which was admittedly won a small sample. It was like 142 plate appearances divided between single A Modesto and rookie ball. He batted 285. This year, he went from 76% to 70%, and he went up in competition to high A Everett and then double A Arkansas. It's going to come down to adjustments here, right? He still has some vulnerabilities with breaking balls on the outer third and things like that. Defensively, he is a first baseman. There's not a lot of other places that he can play. He is a first baseman. He played a little bit of third base in 2022, like 20-something games. Uh, Fielding percentage, that's everything. Fielding percentage was like 920 or so. And they didn't ask him to do it even once last year. He is a first baseman at this point. And you've gotten mixed performance from the first baseman in the system and in the organization and at the major league level recently. And I can see why Howard Locklear would be a guy everybody would be waiting on and expecting to see in 2024. The flip side of this, and something to keep in mind, is he has a grand total of 95 plate appearances in the upper minors. And that was all in AA Arkansas last year where he batted 260 with a 403 slugging. So he has some adjustments to make, like I said, with the breaking balls on the outer third and things like that to glit the power play in games. If he makes those adjustments and has a great early part of 2024, I could see a second half where they considered calling him up in what would arguably be an early call up, but more and more teams are comfortable calling guys straight from AA to the majors. So you can see where that's possible, but you can also see why they would want to wait given how little experience he actually has in the upper minors. It does feel like a bit of a risk to go ahead and say, yes, we're going to have Tyler Locklear up by the all-star break. I do expect him to come to spring training. I expect to see you know him getting plenty of run in spring where they see how he's doing and then probably back to AA Arkansas because again, it was 22 games, 94 plate appearances. Second baseman, Ryan Bliss. One is a short king, 5'6". Guy we've talked about on this show quite a bit, but someone there's been a lot of conversation about. They acquired him for Paul Seawolf uh, at the trade deadline last year with along with a couple other pieces, Josh Rojas, Dominic Canzone, and he plays second base. And so there's been questions about, are we going to see him this year? And 
it's possible. So 2021 second rounder again. They took a college guy after a a prep guy that year as well. And this one out of Auburn. 612 plate appearances last year between double A and triple A, 128 total games. He played for three different teams because he had double A Amarillo with Arizona, he had triple A Reno with Arizona, and then triple A Tacoma with Seattle. Four. 378, 524 was the combined slash line for Ryan Bliss. 23 home runs, 65 extra base hits, 58 walks to 119 strikeouts, and 55 of 70 on stolen bases. I'll be completely honest. I like Ryan Bliss. I really do Ryan Bliss. He's a, I knew him when he was at college. The first prospect I ever interviewed was Ryan Bliss. I've seen play different places. People talk about, call him short king, talk about that. That's literally, I was the one that started doing that. And so I've been the high guy on Ryan Bliss for a while. There are things to like. There are a little bit of concerns in the profile. One, the physical stature being 5'6", I feel like he does a good job of getting to the power when he barrels something up. His 90th percentile exit velocity is 102. His average is 86, and I think he's more like probably a 15 home run guy in the majors than a 20, and a lot of people have been expecting him to hit 20 simply because of the numbers that he did, having a slugging over 500 and things like that. Uh, I, the, the contact, like he is, he, he's pretty aggressive, right? As far as, you know, he swings more than 50% of the time. Now, contact rate, 76%, end zone contact, 85. So I feel good. It's below average chase. There's good contact ability here. The speed is real. Again, he had 50, he went 55 of 70 on stolen bases last year. And defensively, he's a very good defender at second base. He can play shortstop last year in the minors, 51 games at short, 74 at second. He does have arm strength concerns. And so it, it is, he can cover at shortstop, but he's better suited to be a second baseman, right? So. I think you're, it's very likely that Ryan Bliss ends up being a utility guy at the major league level. If he is a major league regular, it's going to be a guy that should be able to give you good batting averages, should be able to get on base, could hit 15 home runs, again, maybe 20s, but could be a 30 stolen base to potentially even 40 stolen base, depending on how everything translates guy at the major league level. So there's things to like, things to be concerned about, but overall, it was a good get in the trade for a reliever because Seattle can just make more relievers. This organization just makes relievers out of spare parts. And so it was a good get him, Rojas Canzone for Paul Seawold. Really good trade there. A couple of the pitchers you're going to look at, uh, Prelander Baroa is a guy you're going to see as a reliever. Uh, he had made, he converted to relief this year in the minors, 43 double A appearances. 5-1 with a 2.89 ERA in 65 and a third innings. 101 strikeouts of 13.9 per nine innings to 39 walks, 5.4 per nine innings. And that's probably a little bit of the reason why he's going to end up being a reliever. Only gave up two home runs, has a fastball in the upper 90s, sliders mid to upper 80s. It's a really good one-two combo. But again, you've got some control issues, things that have to be ironed out. Uh, Emerson Hancock. The number six overall in 2020 out of the University of Georgia has had a lot of injuries, right? Dealt with a recurrence of shoulder soreness, a lat strain, a shoulder injury, all kind of stuff. Finished the year 
injured after a shoulder strain. You're going to see him come back up. I expect him to probably either be back of the rotation or some sort of long relief, maybe in the bullpen. Not quite sure what's going to happen, but you're going to see him in 2024. Uh, In just a minute, there's a ton of lower-level prospects to watch. I don't know how we're going to get all 11 of these guys into this show in the next 10, 11 minutes. We're going to do our best. We'll do it right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. The NFL regular season has wrapped up. They're in the postseason now, but there is still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. You don't have to win the bet. You just have to place the bets. You place the $5 bet, you get $150 in bonus bets win or lose. And you can use that to go bet on some different options for the Seattle Mariners. Julio Rodriguez has these has tied for the fifth best odds of American League MVP at plus 1500. He's tied with Kyle Tucker of the Astros. Ahead of him, Jordan Alvarez, Corey Seager. It was Juan Soto. They probably should update this. He's no longer an option. And then Aaron Judge of the Yankees. You've also got Options for division winners, World Series, things like that. The Seattle Mariners are right now plus 2,000 tied with the Toronto Blue Jays on the board for the World Series. It's tied for ninth best odds. And ahead of them, out of the division, you just have the Astros and the Rangers, which I say that like it's easy to get through them. But uh, go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Final segment of Locked On MLB Prospects here, talking about lower-level prospects to watch, and holy cow, is there a ton in this organization. Okay, so uh, trying to cover as many guys as we can here. Outfielder Jonathan Clace, 129 games between high A and double A, like 595 plate appearances. 242, 353, 449. 20 home runs, 56 extra base hits, 82 walks to 165 strikeouts, and 79 and 94 on stolen bases. I wanted to make sure we gave his stat line because it's so wild, right? Tons of stolen bases, in, but tons of strikeouts. And it's something where the contact skill, 71%, the chase rate is fine. It's just something where, like, inside and outside the organization, he's just seen as the hit tool is a little bit behind some of these other guys. And so he's got a little bit farther to go. That's why I didn't have him in the players you might see in 2024 segment. But he is a promising prospect. Two guys that have physical frame and position concerns, right? Gabriel Gonzalez and Lazaro Montez. So Gonzalez, 535 plate appearances, batted 298 with 18 home runs and 45 extra base hits. Montez in 302 plate appearances batted 303, 445, 60 with 13 home runs and 34 extra base hits. But there's some warts on both of these guys, right? So contact ability, 75% for Gonzalez. He swung like 55% of the time, which is take around a little bit higher than average, but it's fine. He also chased 40% of the time. The average exit velocities, or the exit velocities are only average, but the power production is really good. The issue you have here is the conditioning, right? I don't, I'm not trying to make this, I'm not trying to fat shame or anything here, but 
where he reportedly gained significant weight during the season and has continued to physically develop. He's listed around 220 or so right now. And there is concern that being let 5'10", 5'11", around there, and 220, that he already doesn't have great speed. There's not many other places for that weight to go before it impacts his game negatively. He's got to be mindful of that. Lazaro Montez, the power is absurd. Unlike Gonzalez, he has ridiculous velocities. He hit a ball at 118 miles an hour in the complex. Age 18, he hit a ball 118 miles an hour. But his contact rate got worse throughout the season as they figured out he really struggles with breaking balls. Another guy probably going to have to move because of speed from the outfield to first base and has to get a little bit better with the contact ability. Now, I'm confident I have more belief in Montez than Gonzalez. I do think this organization can probably get at least one, if not both of them. The question is going to be who gets the better hang of the thing they need to work on with Montez being some, some contact issues and pitch recognition against breaking balls, Gonzalez being aggressiveness with the chase, as well as uh, physical conditioning, who can fix their flaws to stay on the right development track? It's the big question. couple guys here that all have a big, like an interesting takeaway, right? Shortstop Felton Celestin, seen as an absolutely fantastic defensive shortstop. Aggressive approach, but he has power from both the left and right side. The speed is there. He just needs to stay healthy. Had a hamstring strain and did not get a chance to play last year. And a question mark there. Uh, Outfitter Johnny Fromello, a guy that didn't have injury concerns, but just didn't get a chance to have professional at-bats. He's seen as a really promising power-speed combo. Could be a 20-home run, 30-stolen base guy. He just didn't get any time after the draft last year. So we need to see professional at-bats from him to know what he is. Uh, Shortstop Ty Pete was the third of the three first-round picks, and he's seen as a guy that is super athletic, right? Just tons of athleticism, probably faces off with Harry Ford for best athlete in the system, and Baseball America said he's the best athlete in the system. I haven't seen everybody to know for a fact, but Harry Ford's pretty athletic. I think Ty Pete might have him beat, but there's it's seen as a longer-term project. We talk on the show a lot. The everydayers have heard this. Hitters are born, not made, and Ty Pete is reportedly not necessarily a born hitter. He struggles against off-speed pitches and has to do more work to, to be an effective hitter. And he's seen as probably a slower development timeline and a longer-term project than some of these other guys. Colt Emerson may shoot through this system incredibly quickly. Who knows? Outfitter Aiden Smith, the sleeper of last year's class. I've heard whispers and conversations and talking to people to get ready for the show that he probably is a 70-grade defender in the outfield, and I think that's a little bit higher than we thought he would be coming in. Uh, athleticism is really good, and he's one to watch. He's on our dart throw because he's a top prospect, but he's one of the guys to watch to have a massive 2024. I would expect him probably to be in Modesto with the Nuts most of the year, although we've seen this organization will move guys up if they're hitting when they need to move to a higher competition level. Cole Phillips, acquired from the Braves and the Jared Kelnick trade, you just need to see innings here. The, the Braves staff wasn't apparently believing that the stuff was back. I had heard some reports when he was with the Braves before the trade that he was back to touching high 90s on the fastball. He has a slider and change with it. It's a promising thing. You just 
Literally, he's never thrown a pitch in professional baseball because of the elbow injury and the rehab that came with it. And it, he was, we always say 18 to 24 months for Tommy John, and we're always thinking the 18. He was closer to the 24 than the 18. And I think Atlanta just didn't believe he was going to make it back. But like I said, I've heard some stuff privately that he is a lot closer to being back as far as what he was pre-draft or pre-injury than maybe the Braves realized. Uh, second baseman, Michael Arroyo. I mentioned him in the first segment. He is the guy a lot of teams have been targeting, right? Really patient, swings like 44% of the time, really good contact, 76% of the time. And he does good against all types of pitches. He hits velocity, he hits breaking pitches, he hits off speed. It's a lot to like from a young player. He's also, there's not a ton of speed there. He's limited to second base. And we've already mentioned quite a few guys that profile to be second base options here. We don't know what the power ceiling is for Michael Arroyo. He is one of the more attractive pieces in this system to external evaluators. A lot of the calls that were going into Seattle this season and recently reportedly have been asking for him as one of the prospects in any sort of trade. And so I don't know with so many second basemen in this system, I don't know if they sell on him before we get a true read of what his power ceiling is, or if they keep him and let him develop and see if maybe he can push Cole Young or somebody else off of that shortstop position. Two dart throws here. One of them is second baseman and center fielder Blake Rambush. One of them is left-hand pitcher Reed Van Scooter. Van Scooter? Not sure. Rambush batted 271 in high A with 25 stolen bases. Uh, again, plays second base, plays center field as well. Not a ton of power, right? He had a higher on base than a slugging, but he can run, he can defend, he can take walks. He's the type of guy that is on your bench as your 26th man. He doesn't win you a World Series, but he helps you get through the regular season to get to the postseason when you have injuries and things like that. Flexible player. Reed Van Scoder, left-hand pitcher, absolutely pounds the strike zone. Less than 6% walk rate last year. 66% strike rate. He has a fastball, sits in the low 90s. He's got a curveball with two-plane break. He has a sweeper. He has a changeup. The thing here is going to be if he can add a little bit of velocity to that fastball, you're going to be looking at a guy who can go from, from a back of the rotation or like a long relief guy or a spot start guy into a number four, maybe even a number three. It's all going to come down to consistency on the changeup. Every lefty needs to have a good changeup. And some more velocity, more than 91, 92 on the fastball. Stick with us. A couple more shows coming up. In the meantime, if you've got questions for Monday's mailbag, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. Until next time, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. 
you made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.